Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello, ho, ho, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name is Satsunami, and joining me for this incredibly festive season is none other than the one and only Andrew. Andrew, welcome back. Oh my garland, I can't believe you invited me on for a Christmas month. And that is the end of the episode, if you would like. <laughs> yeah, how are you doing today, Andrew? I'm good, thank you. Already in the Christmas spirit by having watched my first Christmas movie of the year. We are just recording this just prior to the December festive season, but we're already kicking it off. Yeah, I wish I could say, oh, it's like months ahead of schedule and everything, and we've got it lined up, but yeah, we're only a week or two off. We're not that bad yet. I've not even got my Christmas tree up yet. I was about to ask you, we're putting ours up this weekend. I mean, as of publishing this episode, my tree probably will be up and there'll probably be lovely pictures up. Now, all you have to do is ignore the Getty stock image watermark on it. I think people are going to dox you from your Christmas tree photo. I've seen people get doxed for less. (laughs) Dox the halls. (laughs) Bells of Holly. If you want to listen to our Christmas album, you can pre-order it on Spotify. No, for legal reasons. That is indeed a joke. But you know what's not a joke, Andrew? The festive spirit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Christmas films. Ah, uh, falala, indeed. Of course, growing up celebrating Christmas, you and I, of course, have really consumed a plethora of Christmas films, haven't we? Yeah, I'd say we've watched our fair share. I know there's certainly many that are just kind of repeats every year that you have to watch your Christmas favourites. Yeah, because you do get your classics that, quite frankly, won't die. You know, you've got your It's a Wonderful Life, your Christmas Carol, your Grinches, just so many iconic stories that are told in various different lenses and then you get the Hallmark films where oh boy they just milk that cow dry. There's actually a great image of that where it's two people with the same Christmas jumpers on but it's advertising different films. Have you seen that? No. So it's hundreds of these covers and it's like coming home for Christmas baking for Christmas shooting Santa for Christmas you know, and it's all the same couple smiling with the green and red jumpers on and you're like how did you get such a monopoly on this because it obviously must be successful since it's still going but yeah recently and I say recently but I'm gonna cry because I do know that it's probably been over 10 years since half of these films came out but you had your more contemporary takes on the season with films like Elf and Arthur Christmas of course but this whole fish out of water genre do you feel as if that's getting more and more popular with Christmas films. Hmm. Hard to say really. I can't think of too too many Fish Out of Water films and I think there's usually quite a big gap between them but I mean Elf being the kind of benchmark I would say for that in terms of Christmas movies at least and it's very much like a jungle to jungle Tarzan in the big city kind of thing of bringing someone who's not familiar with our modern world in and just kind of hilarity ensues and the topic we're discussing today is very much of that kind. Yeah because I have to admit I actually didn't really that this was one of the flagship films like obviously it wasn't the thing that was going to sell people on Disney Plus when it was released in 2019 but apparently they actually delayed this film until 2019 because I think it was made in 2017 and they were going to release it later in the year and then they had to push it back and it's quite interesting to see that they are trying to put their own spin on the quintessential Christmas story as it were and of course the film we are 
are indeed going to be talking about today is none other than 2019's Noel. Yeah, I know we'll get into it more in depth in the main part of this episode, but did you hear much about this when it came out? No, when the film initially released, I didn't really know much about it. My partner has always been a big fan of Anna Kendrick, and like I like her too. She's she's very cute, and I enjoy her films as well. And so we're like, alright, we'll give this a shot, we'll try this out. And so we watched it, and my partner absolutely loved it. She thought it was so cute, so wonderful. I wasn't quite sold on it at that point, and it wasn't until the following year that I kind of got a bit more into it, and then I absolutely loved watching it again this year. Because I have to say, I did hear about this film when it came out, but I didn't really hear many people talk much about it, and I don't know if it's because when it comes to Christmas films, a lot of people are very defensive, as it were, about new films coming in, because last year, you and I, of course, talked about the Christmas film Claws, which I actually don't know if that came out at the same time. Came out at a similar time. Yeah, like, obviously it wasn't competing side by side, but yeah, it's really interesting and puts people, not on edge, but you know, they're quite curious when they see someone try to make a film that's going to be a Christmas classic, because it's a bit like when people release Christmas songs, and then it's either going to be like a hit that everyone's going to listen to year in, year out. Shout out to Mariah Carey, who's defrosted by now. But for this one, I was really surprised, at least initially the lukewarm reception, but recently I have watched this film, and I've got to say, probably spoiling my whole outlook here, but it's a fun enough film. It's quite cute, the actors are quite funny, they do a great job, but see, without any further ado, will we just jump into it and talk about why this is either going to be a holly jolly review, or going to be put in the naughty list? After the ad break, we'll jump down that chimney and discuss it. And yeah, we'll be right back after these festive messages. Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Chatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Hello and welcome to Myth Monsters. I'm Erin, a self-confessed mythology addict and occasionally scholar. Myth Monsters focuses on the monsters of global folklore and mythology, with sometimes a cryptid thrown in once or twice. We go from looking at jackalopes, to gorgons, to wendigos, to bigfoot, from dwarves to elves, and honestly, everything in between. Why should I listen to this podcast over any other mythology podcast out there? Well, we're only 15 to 20 minutes long, so we're perfect in time for your little commute. And also, we focus on a different culture and monster every single week. A real in-depth look into modern media, where they're found in films, TV, video games and books, and also the origin, description and if I believe they existed. So it's perfect for any short trips or if you're into any specific monsters that you fancy. So come join the fun every Thursday and stay spooky, babes. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one-track audio waves. (laughs) 
but with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Overall, see compared to other films of a similar genre, and I'm not talking about just Christmas films in general, but your kind of elf films and things like that. What were your thoughts after watching this film? Yeah, as I said, my initial thoughts when I first watched the film was that it just kind of felt like a elf ripoff. It was a bit cheesy, but it was okay. I didn't really think highly of it, but I didn't absolutely hate it. Now, kind of looking at it, I think it has a lot of things that does better than elf. Things I enjoy more. You're always going to compare it to Elf because of its idea of exploring what would it be like for someone who grew up in the North Pole to experience our world. But that's not really necessarily the whole point of the movie. It's very much more of a self-discovery film than what Elf was. Elf very much did rely on the, this person was raised among sugar plums and fairies. How is he going to deal with the gritty real world? Find out next time on Elf Ball Z. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not really what this film film is about. This film is a female empowerment Christmas spectacular. No, not quite, but it does certainly delve more into realizing your potential, what you can do, and the responsibilities of your family. Initially when I saw it, I did like the fact that it was although it was predictable, I did like the fact it was more female led and the fact that it was that twist of, and again, I don't want to be like, oh, it's like Buddy the Elf but oh, it's a woman because I think as a character she did really well and obviously as an actress she is a very good actress but the thing I probably have the most gripes with with Noel is probably because it's the opposite of Elf in the sense that Elf is the energy is up to a hundred if you know what I mean Will Ferrell is constantly singing he's constantly shouting he's doing all these very large loud actions which you know obviously you probably would expect that maybe of an elf but in this one she does seem a lot more grounded even though she is dressed in the very colourful Christmas attire it's not something that you would really say oh that's so weird who would wear those kind of things you know it's quite grounded and I feel as if it doesn't really take and again I'm not trying to judge this as some kind of black and white epic or anything but it doesn't really take any chances with the narrative does it? It seems to play everything very safe but I don't mean that in a Christmas safe just everything seems to just happen and then that's it the film ends Yeah I can kind of get that it's it's interesting because Will Ferrell's Elf, this is going to kind of become a theme of this episode where we keep bringing up elf as well but Will Ferrell's buddy the elf is a child in like a large man's body and he's constantly thinking like a child would whereas Noelle isn't really like that Noelle is an adult she's clearly been a spoilt brat for a lot of her life and she's kind of learning about that like the importance of giving to others and Christmas isn't just about presents and is about what she can do to add more fulfillment in her life because as the film starts she just makes Christmas cards and like her job is to make 
make sure everyone else is having a good day, which is fine, but doesn't seem like a very fulfilling role in her life. And so it's interesting seeing her learn to be herself, her true self, whereas in Elf, it's very much a where am I from? I don't belong here story. And so they're very different in that regard. But the storytelling itself, or the theme of the storytelling, I don't know that necessarily it kind of things just happen. I think that it does kind of just take you scene to scene. There's not like a whole lot to the movie. It isn't exactly the Citizen Kane of Christmas movies, but it never needed to be. And I can't think that there really is a Citizen Kane of a Christmas movie, except for Claws, which we reviewed last year. I was going to say there is. It's called Citizen Kane. <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life might be the closest thing to Citizen Kane for Christmas movies. It wasn't at the time, though, as we spoke about it in our episode. <laughs> I wasn't part of that one, which means I didn't listen to it. That is true. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I know what you mean, though. It's not a film I went in expecting some high drama and detailed narrative or anything. That would be very, at best, facetious and at worst, downright disingenuous to be like, oh, yeah, I wanted action, I wanted explosions. No, no, no. I don't know what it is about this film. There's just something about it that I just thought didn't click the right way. I love Anna Kendrick in the role. I think she's fantastic. She does amazing. I did feel obviously happy at the end when she finally became Santa Claus. Although I have to say halfway through you get a semi-resolution and then they just kind of drop it because the other thing I thought was quite initially I thought was interesting because ironically enough it reminded me of another film Arthur Christmas where in this day and age Santa Claus used to be this guy who would deliver wooden toys and things like that that were believably made in the North Pole and now because of technology and the advancements of that. I have to admit, I did find that pretty funny when everybody wanted an iPad. But when I saw the guy with the... He had an idea for the drones and everything and he wanted to modernise the delivery service. Initially, I thought, okay, that's interesting. I thought, is that going to be like a twist villain or Mm -hmm. is it going to be something along those lines? But that just never went anywhere. See, I disagree. It seemed like the obvious route to have Cousin Gay be the antagonist but he never was the antagonist he was never trying to usurp Santa he kind of was just happy doing his job and was kind of forced into it so I think he was almost relieved when Noel took the reins don't pardon the pun and so I quite like that they kind of subverted that so there wasn't really a villain it was more just a case of just the resolution of their own well this, the villain is the establishment and sexism America <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, I, I joke a little bit, but like that is kind of the main focus of it, that there's this sexist North Pole society that doesn't consider women to be worthy of the Santa Claus mantle until just at the end. Something that actually did rub me the wrong way when I was watching that, other than the fact that there's just a very kind of tacked on at the end. Oh, we didn't read that clause. Again, all puns intended there. Oh, we didn't read that clause. Turns out women can be Santa Claus. And I was like, really? That's the route you're going for? The illiterate council of elves? here didn't read the fine print. You know, it's at the very start that the helper Polly actually does say when Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Like she, she's like, that doesn't technically say that. And then uh, Noelle's like, quiet Polly. The elves know what they're talking about. So they do set it up for the start, but I do agree that it does seem a bit silly, kind of setting up this super sexist council. It's like Chekhov's candy cane. <laughs> just going to put that on the wall, just wait and then, yeah, bring it back at the end. The only other thing that I really wasn't a big fan of was the fact that they were quite 
mean-spirited to Noel, and they never really apologise for it, as far as I remember. I think maybe they do at the very end, but you know when she gets the letter, and I know it's for comedic effect, where they're like, oh, it's your fault he left, blah blah blah, but they just seem unnecessarily cruel towards her at times. I mean, that's part of her confidence issues, I guess, in herself, that they're all thinking that everything she does is wrong, or that her role is very minor in many ways, so they remove her from having much responsibility initially, and then when she has a suggestion that he should take some time, and, and her brother ends up leaving the North Pole to avoid being becoming Santa Claus, that she's to blame for sending him off. But there is a lot of kind of scenes that I do take issue with. The singers, the little carolers that are just are like everywhere, I found them really annoying throughout. I don't know what your sort of impression of it was. I didn't mind them, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I thought, finally, some holy jolly music on the person. <laughs> I didn't think they were the worst, to be honest. I thought some of the things were quite funny, but I know what you mean. They could probably get quite grating uh, if that was a whole film. At least they had the decency to spread them out, whether you liked them or not. At least they made sure to ration them, is what I'm saying. There were certain recurring jokes that I didn't quite land. I mean, like you mentioned the iPad thing earlier, which was funny quite a few times, but they did overdo that one a little bit for me. The product placement, though, must have been insane for this film, though. I know it's a yeah. Disney film, but, you know, you had iPads, you had Amazon Prime. I can't actually remember if there was any other ones, but those were the two major ones that stuck out for me. There certainly was other random product placements. When they went to the mall, outlet mall area, I think they, they referenced a bunch of random stores there as well. I did notice this, and I said to my partner just that Apple have come out really well from this. Oh yeah, I was surprised when they also were using Macs and everything. I thought, really? <laughs> Apple made it to the North Pole? If that's not an indictment of <laughs> capitalism and Christmas, I don't know what is. I mean, this has always been an age-old question, but like, oh yeah, what's the North Pole economy? They have all these like stores and there's there's a currency there and what's the currency based off of? Who's giving out money? Is the main point the factory? Because they're not making money because you give out toys to children. There's no payment involved there. How does this work? Yeah, because she gives over two coins that are basically chocolate coins but they're covered in metal. And don't get me wrong, you know, that's kind of a funny, ha ha, she's from the North Pole. She pays our taxes and candy canes probably. But yeah, why? <laughs> That is no way to run an established government. <laughs> I have to admit, that's definitely one of the things that you can wave off. But if you think about it for too long, you're just like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. And again, you know, it's a Christmas film. It's not something that, you know, you're supposed to think about too much, especially when it comes to Santa, because they really just wave it off with Christmas magic, don't they? I did like that we got to see kind of a developed North Pole Christmas town. In Elf, it's very much almost like a cartoon style, just get the factory and some trees. Whereas you have an actual like town and community in this, which is quite neat. I did like the fact that Polly went in having to disguise herself in the real world. And she was doing the same thing they do in Star Trek with Spock whenever they have to get a Vulcan in, but they have to put a hat on them <laughs> to cover their pointed ears. And then, of course, when they show it off to the characters, like, whoa, hey, which I have to admit, I thought was funny. But before I go into the things that I thought this home did extremely well, because I know I'm kind of nitpicking a lot here, but one of the things I thought was quite jarring and it wasn't 
wasn't jarring when I watched it, but it was more when I thought about it was the intro of this film. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're sitting there and you know you have this really cute, lovely scene of Santa returning home on Christmas and comes home to his wife, who I'm convinced poisoned him, but that's another story. You know, he comes home to his wife with his kids and he talks about how his son will take up the mantle of Santa and so forth. <laughs> Literally in the next two minutes, they're like, ah, anyway, dad died. <laughs> I'm like, what? what? <laughs> Santa died? Yeah, five months ago, he popped his clogs. Imagine starting your Christmas film like that. Yeah, Santa's deed. Merry Christmas, kids. <laughs> Bye, Disney Plus. <laughs> I mean, it's not too different from the Santa Claus, is it? He just knocks him off a chimney. Off a roof, sorry. But I want to know, how did he pass away, but Mrs. Claus is like, I'm still kicking and going. Hey, when when you've been having the frequency of cookies that he's been having every Christmas, I think you'd pop off too. Do you think she slipped in an oatmeal and raisin one? And he choked. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love those kind of cookies, but I don't know, there's something fishy going on there. If any true crime podcasters would like to, you know, take up this case, please feel free to contact us. <laughs> I have a question for you actually at the very start they have this whole thing of she wakes up and like peeks and it's like oh it's Santa and we haven't had that reveal yet of it being her father when you were a kid did you ever try and sneak a glimpse of Santa kind of but then I would get told off by my parents and told to get to bed (laughs) but you know I would listen out maybe I was always so nervous that like he would catch me not being asleep because you know he knows if you're sleeping he knows if you're awake kind of thing that I'd like force myself and I'd have my eyes closed but I'd try and listen out for him. Yeah, because you would obviously listen out for the footprints and sleigh bells if your parents, you know, rung them as if it was the reindeer and things. I mean, she did a good job at hiding. I'll give her that. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. I can't believe I'm saying this. They must have imported the Jackson 5 at minimum to the North Pole. Oh? Because she said she makes this joke of, oh, I used to say, oh, I saw Mummy kissing Santa Claus, which is a Jackson 5 song. (laughs) Yeah, is that, is that all they listen to? That and Mariah Carey. I assume they exclusively listen to Christmas songs and nothing else. That's all they get, just all year round. So what you're saying is it's a retail worker's hell. Oh god, yeah. But like, they seem really into it. Maybe that's just their jam. That's true. I mean, they say, oh my garland, so... I don't know about you, that's very quotable. My partner says that with frequency, usually just around Christmas time, but like, oh, yeah. that's one of her favourite things to say now. I have to admit, that's quite a good one. <laughs> but I have to say, going on to the good point, of this film. I have to say the characters weren't that bad. There's always one character that you would point out and say, oh I absolutely hated that character because of X reason or Y reason. But I have to say in this there wasn't many. The only one that semi-annoyed me was the Private Eye. No, no, no. I liked the Private Eye. I was going to say more the baby reindeer. I was going to ask what your opinion on Snow Cone was. I mean, it was cute initially but I don't know if it's just me being bitter with this films where I look at cute animals and things and I think, alright when's the plushy toy going to come out for Christmas for this? Or You know that way where it's just one thing that's manufactured just for that sole reason? I did find it funny when she tried to call in Snow Cone and she did the Disney princess thing and then she just straight up had to yell at him and be like, come on. <laughs> come on dude. Yeah, come on dude. And he came running. I thought that was funny. One other thing that I was surprised at, speaking of something you mentioned earlier about subverting tropes 
Knights. This is something that it actually did probably better than Elf, but I did like the fact that they didn't really go for the love story angle. Yes, I, that's something I wanted to bring up too. It seemed, and you can kind of interpret it as maybe a future love interest or a chemistry they had between them, but like they didn't really go down that route and that it did very much seem like the relationship between her and the private investigator was very platonic and it was more of a case of just her trying to improve his relationship with his son. Because I have to admit, I did even like the son character, to be honest, because I was expecting that he was going to be one of these, oh, Noel, you're weird, blah, blah, blah. You know that stereotypical, the kid kind of looks at the fish out of water character and they go, oh, I don't know about this. You mean the kid from Elf? I mean, he was more supportive of Buddy. He wasn't until that snowball fight. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was surprising to see, especially that dynamic as well, because it's not really something that is overly explored. The fact that the dad was separated from his ex-wife and everything, and they had to deal with a Christmas that, you know, a fractured Christmas essentially, where he was trying to appease his son, but at the same time he didn't want to impose himself on his ex-wife's new life. And I thought that was really fascinating, because initially when they said it's complicated, the wife isn't around anymore, I kind of thought, oh god, Disney, you've claimed another mother. (laughs) You've done the Bambi treatment here, and you've shot her dead. But then when they said, oh no, she's still alive, and she's split up from me, I thought, it's better than them killing off parental figures. I mean, I felt as if in the 90s and early 2000s, they had like a bloodthirst Mickey with the axe. What's wild is, and my partner pointed this out, that how quickly she moved on, because he said it was their first Christmas since the divorce, but we're always already talking about our new husband. Oh, yeah. And so in less than a year since the divorce, she's gotten in a new relationship and married that person. I was going to say she's a bad person, but I can't judge a fictional character based on one line of dialogue. She may be fine. She may be wonderful, but she moves on very quickly. That's not moving on quickly. That is the Olympics. That is a speed run of moving on quickly. I never even thought of that, actually. Oh my God. Yeah, overall, I do think that this film is, again, it's quite a safe film by all means, but it's honestly, it's not an offensive film, and I don't mean that in the sense of it's going to say anything terrible, but it's just such a safe pick, isn't it? In terms of if you're going to put it on for Christmas, if you want to feel good about things, then... Oh no! (laughs) Oh no! But what do you think? Do you think you would include this in your yearly cycle of Christmas films? In the Christmas rotation? Yeah. I personally, I'd say it's like a 1.5 to 2 year rotation for me, but my partner loves it, and so she wants to watch it every year. I probably will end up watching this every year going forward for a wee while. We may take a break from it every once in a while, but I think it's fair to say that it's likely that it'll become a regular pick for the rotation. I don't rank it as highly as a lot of other Christmas films that I enjoy watching each year that certainly would fall into the rotation for me, but I'm not protesting watching it each Christmas. I probably wouldn't rank it highly on the Christmas rotation myself, if I was just judging it by myself, but I can see why people would. I don't think it's one of those films that you can completely discount and just think, oh, it's the worst thing ever, or things like that. Because it is, as much as I'm saying it is a safe film and everything, it is quite a interesting take on this particular genre, because obviously with a lot of these films, you do have a main character that is usually like a guy, whether that's It's a Wonderful Life, whether it's Christmas Carol, he's obviously 
traditional ones or even with ones that came later like Claws and Elf where again it's a guy who's in a fish out of water situation tries to come in but I do think it's quite nice we're getting a female character that's coming in and not only putting their own spin on the season as it were but also appealing to a wider audience that I think will be more interested in a story like this and I do think that is a really cool thing to have. I mean it is is quite a different story because let's face it when you think of traditional Christmas stories or rather if you think of more female-led Christmas stories usually it's your Hallmark films which don't get me wrong we will get into next week begrudgingly but you know it's just cool it's cool to see a film like this especially backed by Disney to be yes I know the corporate overlord but you know to promote quite essentially just a nice film with a very nice message yeah it is nice to see and it's refreshing I mean there's not been a huge number of recent Christmas movies that I've enjoyed I think Claws being an outlier and so I mean it was saying recent this did come out three or four years ago now don't remind me <laughs> this came out before the lockdowns would you believe it came out just as places like things are well not just as things are locking down but like just before covid it came out before this podcast was i think it's <laughs> very true yeah so film predates the podcast so it's not super modern but it and claws are the two that i've identified as being two recent christmas movies that i've enjoyed and i don't think that's really been the case for quite a number of years that i found a more modern christmas movie that i've enjoyed so all credit to it in that way i think that there is a lot to praise about and there's some things we didn't get to touch on there was some very funny lines confusing yoga pants and yogurt pants line was quite amusing the struggling with silent meditation was quite funny closing the bead curtains to try and cancel the noise of them like shouting at each other was funny i did laugh at that yeah and there's a scene at the end where one of the elder elves is like santa can't be a girl and this like girl elf crowd just like holds up her hand and just goes whoa like that's not okay and my partner and i just like burst out laughing at that character because she's very quotable but as a closing point though would you recommend this this is how we always end the episodes of course but would this be a christmas film that you would be recommending to people yeah i think i would recommend this film especially if people like elf then i think they should check this out because it's very cute it's very sweet there isn't a whole lot of stakes in the movie it's very chill it might be quite a nice one for people to put on while they're decorating their christmas tree that they don't really need to pay as much attention to it it's still enjoyable i don't want to discredit it in that way give it a shot i think people will enjoy it those who haven't seen it we've kind of spoiled it for a lot of people who haven't seen it but oh yeah spoiler warning <laughs> she finds christmas spoilers she is christmas <laughs> She is iconic. She is Christmas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of like about this movie, and I think that people should give it a chance. I can only co sign that, to be honest. I do think, although I kind of said, oh, it's a safe film and everything, at the end of the day, it is a Christmas film, and it does obviously borrow a lot of the tropes of previous Christmas films. So it's not going to be one of these ones that, unlike something like Claws, for example, where although it was kind of a similar story that we knew about, it took it in a very unique direction and as I said all Christmas films don't necessarily have to be unique blockbuster citizen candy canes my god how have I not made that oh, exactly nice. but you know they don't have to be like that but I totally agree it's something that you would watch either if you're decorating or you know if you had kids and you were watching this definitely it's one I'd say is worth checking out it is not going to blow your festive socks 
off or anything, but it's a cute film. It's got a lot of, as you said, a lot of quotable moments. It has got some genuinely funny laughs. I have to say, I actually did laugh quite a lot throughout this film. Is there anything in particular that like really got you? I mean, the beats really got me, as you said, when they said, <laughs> stop shouting, they can hear you, and then he pulled the beads. As I said, the calling on Snoko, and I thought that was quite funny. I liked the, when she was pulling the lever on the slushy machine. Yeah. And she was like, this toy is messy. I have to admit, not so much, you know, the yogurt pants interaction, not so much what they were saying, but see the fact she was just in the fridge. It reminded me of you that Simpsons episode with Jasper. Moon pie. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah, that's what it reminded me of. And it's like, when she opened it, she's like, eh, can I get some, I can't remember what she wanted, popsicles or something. She's like, oh, here you go. I did think that was quite funny. I enjoyed her mimicking back. She did the yoga pants thing and she did like a little yoga pose and then Anna Kendrick copied it back at her. Yeah. That made me laugh a lot. As I said, it's a nice film. It's very cute. It's quite entertaining. Again, it's not one I would put up on top of the Christmas tree of Christmas films, but you know what? It's still a nice bauble to decorate. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Disney Plus. Speaking of Simpsons references, one note I made during the movie was that there was a scene where Snow Cone is wearing a leash and then a second later, like the frame changes and Snow Cone's not wearing the leash anymore. And I was like, I sure hope someone was given coal for that blunder. I mean, it is Disney, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Although then again, they need the coal for the animation furnaces. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me in the first of hopefully many Holly Jolly episodes. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to speak about this movie. Hopefully the listeners at home enjoyed our episode and what we had to say about the film. And as always, if you want to catch more of our Christmas themed episodes or, you know, you just want to reach out to us to have a chat, you can check us out on our website, chatsanami.com. You can also subscribe to our Patreon for exclusive content, episodes one week ahead of time and much more. You can follow us on that Patreon at patreon.com forward slash chatsunami. It starts at like $2 a month or something. So there's a very easy entry point if you're interested in joining. Or a pound for people we like. (laughs) Wait a second. I didn't know about this pound. Nobody knows about the pound. And yeah, I'd like to thank our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much as always for supporting the show. But yeah, thank you all so, so much for listening to this episode. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Bye.